Letter Nine of A Lady's Life on a Farm in Manitoba, by Mrs. Cecil B. Hall, read for LibriVox.org into the public domain. C. Farm, May twenty-fourth. The two young men, Messrs. H. and L., who inhabit a tent about two miles from here, and who are building themselves a stable, are going into Winnipeg tomorrow for more lumber and as I don't know when I shall have another opportunity of sending letters in, I send you a few lines. These two men have been living with A all the winter, and only turned out for us the day we arrived. It was such bad weather they hoped and speculated on our not coming, so that when we were seen in the distance there was a general stampede to clear out. I must say I should have been very loath to turn out, during this cold weather, of a comfortable house into a tent, and, had I been they, I should have wished us somewhere. We have already had a taste of the cold in these regions. Friday, when we drove out here, was bad enough, but on Saturday, when E and A went into town again to take our carriage back, they were nearly frozen with the biting wind and sleet that had to face the whole of the sixteen miles home. On Sunday the thermometer was down to twenty-two, or ten degrees of frost, with a bitter northwest wind, and we had an inch of snow on the ground, and though the sun melted most of it, the thermometer at night went down again to twenty-four. I don't think I ever felt so cold in bed, in spite of a ton weight of clothes. Luckily, the stoves are still up in the house. In summer they are generally put away in the warehouse to give them room, so that we have been able to make a light both night and day. We are told the weather is most unusual. Anyhow, it is mighty cold. Those poor men in the tent have suffered a good deal. One night the pegs to the windward gave, and the snow drifted against their beds as high as their pillows. They luckily have got a stove, but are obliged to leave their door open to allow of the pipe going out. Unfortunately they have no extra tin or iron to put on the canvas round the pipe, which is the usual way to prevent it catching fire. To describe our life here will take some doing, and after the novelty is worn off it will not amuse us quite so much, nor shall we be so keen of helping our Abigail, who is the wife of the carpenter and maid of all work, in everything, excepting that she must always have a great deal to do for a large household like ours, consisting of four men and our two selves, and we shall always want employment, and I don't think we shall either of us care to ride or drive much. We have fallen into it, the life, wonderfully quickly, completely sunk the lady, and become sort of maids of all work. Our day begins soon after six o'clock by laying the breakfast, skimming the cream, whilst our woman is frying bacon and making the porridge for the breakfast at six-thirty. Mr. B. and A. are out by five o'clock, in order to water, feed, and harness their horses all ready to go out at seven o'clock, when we get rid of all the men. We then make the beds, help in the washing up, clean the knives, and this morning I undertook the dinner, and washed out some of the clothes, as we have not been able to find a towel, duster, or glass cloth, whilst Mrs. G. cleaned out the dining-room. The dirt of the house is, to our minds, appalling, but as Mrs. G. only arrived a few days before we did, and all the winter the four men were, what is called in this country, batching it, from bachelor, namely, having to do everything for themselves, it is, perhaps, not surprising that the floors are rather dirty, and that there is a little dust. The weather is much against our cleaning, as the mud sticks to the boots, and do what you will, it is almost impossible to get it off, not that the men seem to have thought much about it, as until we arrived and suggested it, there was no scraper to either door. 
Poor Mr. B. was rather hurt in his feelings this morning, on expressing some lament at the late sharp frosts, that all his cabbages would be killed, when we said that it was a pity he had sown them out of doors, as he might almost have grown them on the dining-room carpet. He amuses us by lamenting that he did so much cleaning and washed the floor so often, he might just as well have left it until we arrived. Our time is well filled up until dinner, at twelve-thirty, at which we have such ravenous appetites, we are told, no profits made on the farm will pay our keep. At half-past one, when the men turn out again, we generally go out with them, and some outdoor occupation is found for us, either driving the wagons or any other odd jobs. There is a lot of hay littered about, and that has to be stacked, also the waste straw or rubbish which is burnt, and the fires have to be made up. Three-quarters of an hour before either dinner or supper, the latter meal is about half-past six, a flag, the Union Jack, is hoisted at the end of the farther stable. If neither A nor Mr. B is about, we undertake to do it, to call the men in, and they declare the horses see the flag as soon as they do and stop directly. The class of horse here is certainly not remarkable for its good looks, but they are hard, plucky little beasts, and curiously quiet. The long winter makes them, as well as all the other animals, feel a dependence upon man, and they become unusually tame. The cows, cats, and everything follow the men about everywhere. They used to have to keep the kitchen door shut to prevent one of the cows walking in. A has got a jolly old cat who follows him like a dog, sleeps on his bed, and sits next to him at meals. Mr. B. has a dear collie, with whom he carries on long conversations, particularly on the subject of the coolness of the morning, and the water in his bath, so, you see, we have plenty of animal life about. The men at the tent have a black water spaniel, which greatly prefers our fair and warm house to the tent, so is nearly always here. End of letter 9. Read by Sibella Denton. All LibriVox files are in the public domain. For more information, please visit LibriVox.org.